0: People need people to walk, to talk, to cry and to rely on. People will always need people to love and to miss, to hug and to kiss. It's useful to have other people, to whom to moan if you're all alone. It's hard to share when no one is there. There's not much to do when there's no one but you. People will always need people. To tease, to please, to put you at ease. People will always need people. To make
1: life appealing and to give life some meaning, it's useful to have other people.
0: It's, you need a change to whom you'll turn to. If you need a lesson from whom you will learn. If you need to play, You'll know why I say, people always need people. As girlfriends, as boyfriends, from Bombay to Ostead, people always need people to have friendly fights with and to share bites with. It's useful to have other people. People live in families, gangs, posses, packs. It seems we need company. Before we can relax, stop making enemies, and let's face the facts. People always need people. Yes, people always need people. Welcome to the Black and Raw podcast. I'm your host, Tino Koda,
1: Tondora, Bunzawa Baye. Here is a podcast that is created the dialogue and the space. For black men to be their most authentic selves. Now, that poem I just read was by Benjamin Zephaniah, and it perfectly encapsulates what we are talking about in this episode with Judith. Um, Judith is a mental health professional who is now a private therapist who has been working in the mental health space for about 20 plus years. So she's got a wealth of experience that she brings to the episode, and we talk about a lot of interesting things in this episode. Actually, um, we talk about children's mental health. We talk about the impact that COVID has on children. We talk about traumas that people have. Um, talk about how to. to <clears throat> we talk about how to stay sane in such a crazy world that's going on right now. Um, and how to keep positive mental health during it too. Um, So I really hope you guys like this episode. I'm not going to give you any snippets um, because I think the poem that I just read out, like I said, encapsulates perfectly what we're talking about. So as you are listening to this episode and think about the poem and think about you know, why people need people, you know, why we need connection as humans. Um, and so, yeah, I really hope you guys like this episode. Um, please rate and review it. Um, it helps this podcast grow. Um, and if you want to find out more information about Judith, um, I'll put all her links into the show notes. You can also go onto my website, um, to www.blackandraw.co.uk. Thank Um I hope you enjoy this episode and yeah i've got nothing else for you guys so um here's my conversation with um judith disband welcome uh judith to the black and Roll podcast it's really good to have you on thank you and um, how has your day been how have things been for you
2: um, a quiet day, just went for a, a 3k run this morning. Um,
1: oh, nice, Flexing I live near
2: that. a school, so I've got to kind of time it when the kids are out of the way because then they'll see how slowly I move. But, <laughs>
1: yeah, <that was> <laughs> and, but then I guess you have to listen to all of them coming into their morning as well. So, mm, either way, I guess,
2: yeah, well, schools start earlier these days, isn't it? About half past eight, though, in and out of the way, yeah, so, I think so, yeah, yeah true. It's different to my day.
1: It's been a while since I've been to school, actually, since I remember (laughs) what time the day starts. Um, But yeah, welcome to the Black and Roll podcast. It's really good to have you on. Um, And I would have given my audience a bit about you um, already, um, but I wanted to sort of start start off by asking you um it is november this month um, and we're recording this is the first of november um so it's all a month about men's mental health mm-hmm. um and i just wanted to maybe ask you as a professional um what would you how would you describe positive mental health like what would what would positive mental health be described as and maybe what does it also look like for you
2: Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I suppose I, from a theoretical point of view, because my training is in the human givens approach to psychological well-being. Um, so generally, the basis of that is that we have to, in order to be mentally healthy, we have to get our emotional needs met in balance. Okay. So so positive mental health is around that. So um, for me, I suppose, you're saying, you know, going out for a run this morning is doing something for myself. That's about having sort of healthy, balanced lifestyle exercise and those kind of things. I to repeat the question again, because I'm on a tangent.
1: <laughs> no, no, it's fine. It You're going off quite well. It was just sort of what, uh, like, how would you describe positive mental health, really? Um, and I guess yeah. you already started talking about how you practice it as well in terms of going around mm, and yeah. having a work-life balance and things too.
2: Yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah, so having, and also just being being aware of if things, if, we usually know when, when we're a little bit off kilter, a little bit run down or something's not quite right. And maybe it's just about taking, slowing down, taking a step back, and then just having a review of what's going well. What am I, and what am I doing that that's not working? Or maybe even more simply, what have I stopped doing that I used to enjoy doing? Yeah, because that's usually um, something that when people are you know are stressed or in low moods or anything like that, the first thing we do we stop doing enjoyable things, and it becomes more of a more of a um challenge to actually get motivated to do things anyway when you don't feel you know that great mentally
1: yeah it's like a double whammy isn't it it's like Mm. you know you start you stop doing the things you love and then it's harder than to do the things you love because of how you're feeling
0: um
1: but then the things you love doing can help you then maybe get back to that place before so it's like you know you've been hit double but you actually also need to get back to that place too um you mentioned uh human givens approach um, yes. and I didn't know what that was until I had met you. So I'm also sure there are quite a few people that aren't sure of what that is. Um, so could you just give my audience a bit about what is the human givens approach?
2: Okay. So it's actually a, um, it's a, it's a psychological approach, but I, that, it's, a, it's a set of organizing ideas to put it bluntly. Um, so to say it's, we don't use it just for psychotherapy and counselling. It's right across kind of, you know, um, in education, there are schools that are using this approach, for example. So the basic in brief is that, um, as I said earlier, we have a set of emotional needs that need to get met and written balance. But we also have a set of resources innately to get those needs met. Okay. Um, so without going through all of the needs, one of the ex- examples is actually feeling in control. A sense of autonomy and control, and that can be um, for a work environment, for a personal space as well. And engaging that and think actually, you know, if you're in a space, um, if you know, if in a work environment where things aren't working for you, and don't feel in control, that can potentially cause you stress. That's that's where we're going with this. Okay. Um, another example of an emotional need is actually a need for status. And you've you mentioned Movember and particularly around men's health and the difference between men and women. And for a lot of men, status is really important. Yeah, so definitely. losing a job is a loss of status, potentially. You could also be in a job where you actually have got the status, but it's not recognised. So we ask the question, have you got status that is recognised? Because that's going to make a difference about how you actually feel in yourself. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, you know, so the emotional, the human givens is about getting those needs met and also um, being able, you know, it's a combination of the emotional needs and the resources we've got. So I'll just sort of go through them. I mean, there's nine needs. so It won't take me a minute to kind of outline them briefly. So I've talked about um, feeling and control, um, sense of security, have a safe environment to fully develop. Um, giving and receiving of attention. Um, and these are and when I say imbalance, for some people it's getting too much attention, yeah. that could actually, or not getting enough, you know, it's about it's getting yeah. it in balance. Someone that can, you know, too much attention or somebody having too much control can maybe accuse of being a control freak, someone that's you know might be accused of being a show-off or something like that. You see where we can and it's yeah. very personal. Um, community, being connected to a wider community. So, so for some people that might be um you know the church for example it may be um you know being involved in a local um community group or something like that yeah um, I was
1: a sports group I'm just doing that exactly basketball
2: team. yes that's, yes, that's yes. yeah. so basketball that, well. that meets meets your community potentially for you that would also reach um status particularly when yeah. you have a win <laughs>
1: <Okay>. yeah definitely <laughs>
2: um, and then along another need we've got is intimacy. And that's not just about sexual intimacy. That's about having somebody that accept, accepts us for who we are, what's and all. So somebody we can be truly ourselves with. And what we need is just one person. It doesn't have to be a whole group, but just one person. That's usually our family, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> usually usually our partner. <laughs> okay. Um, a sense of achievement, that ties in a little bit with status, I think. So feeling competentially, competence in your abilities, that you can do a job well or achieving something in life. Yeah. Um, Another one is looking at sort of meaning and purpose. So actually having an opportunity to you know um, to sort of look at the bigger picture. Why are we here? You know that, those big questions about yeah, the world. The philosophers
0: and Socrates <laughs> yes. and all of them.
2: Yeah, and then we've got um, privacy. So it's just having time time out to yourself to actually reflect, consolidate experience, and and to kind of you know look at the bigger picture effectively.
1: Yeah, so the, there's quite a few there by the sounds of it.
2: That's, yeah, um, so that's, that's nine,
0: yeah.
1: Um, and I think the, um they're all quite interesting actually in terms of how those, how community, how intimacy, how a sense of purpose can oh. sort of impact our like experience of life and even then sort of our mental health too. Um, I think having this like a sense of control. I think can be one where it's quite interesting because like really we don't have much control over life isn't it sort of I guess is maybe accepting that we don't have that much control mm. over life but you know you, you sort of just have the control of yourself and like, like what you do
2: yes um, yeah and also you think the things that cause people most stress are the things we don't feel we've got control over
0: yeah you
2: know like I was um for example, the weather. You know, how much time do the Brits spend talking about the weather? We've got no control over <laughs> it, <don't we? laughs> but it can really affect how people feel.
0: Yeah, it? definitely. You know, if it's a
2: wet day, or if you've got something planned and it's grey, or it's cold, or even seasonally as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There's isn't there is SAD, isn't it?
0: That yes, Seasonal yeah, Depression yeah. as well. Um, seasonal
2: affective disorder. I used to yeah, have this thing that. about sort of hating the winter and. You know, getting really sort of wanting to hibernate in this time of year. That September thing, which you also associate with starting school, college. I even started my yeah. um, nurse training in September. So all the anxieties in my life were associated with that autumn and the weather changing and then going, this, sometime, oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. But then yeah. you have to kind of do what, you have to spin that and reframe it and think actually this opportunity to, I mean, winter is a time now, I actually enjoy the seasons. I think it's a time to slow down. Yeah. You know, isn't it really?
0: Yeah, definitely. And
2: the autumn and the temperature changing and the um, lovely colors out there, you
1: know? Yeah. I, I found myself appreciating autumn a lot more actually recently. Um, yeah. Just like even just driving, just like when you're driving through and you're just seeing all the trees like changing colors yeah. and leaves falling off. It is a nice time. Like, I. I I think I've sort of came to appreciation of each of the, um, seasons because as much as I love summer, summer's great just because everyone's sort of usually happy. Everyone Mm, doing barbecues, mm. there's food, there's good vibes. Um, but then winter I do like the coziness of it and like going to Christmas markets and seeing all the lights, Halloween. And then, I mean, it's Halloween (laughs) yesterday, bonfire night, bonfire evening on the weekend. So there's a lot of nice stuff. Mm. Sort of around the Christmas period as well.
2: And where I live in um, in Somerset, we have the um, Guy Fawkes Carnivals.
0: Oh, that's yeah. Cool. So that
2: that starts um the um, starts in Bridgewater, and it's the first Saturday after, nearest to the fifth of December of December, no, November. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so it's all night time, all lit up, and got all the people work all through the year. The kind of carnival clubs raising money. So that's oh, a real wow. going back to our human givens. Yeah, a real sense of of community for people yeah, at the part of those those groups and those clubs, and for us as just going to watch it as well and talking to random people. Yeah, yeah.
1: and lots of people. Yeah, no, that sounds mm. that that I mean that sounds like it's going to be fun. That sounds like a very good mm.
0: Uh, mm. good
1: way to spend the weekend. Um, but yeah, so I guess with Human Givens, um, and you've got sort of these, I guess. Um, I don't know what to call them, but like parts in our lives that we sort of need to fulfill and to meet or to, um, I guess, be able to reflect on. Um, mm. Like when you're working with clients, how are you, um, I guess, how are you figuring out where they need to be focusing their efforts on? Because some people might feel like they have control over their lives, but mm,
0: mm. maybe
1: they want to become, you know, higher in their position at work and
0: yes. therefore...
1: I I think a lot can overlap as well, isn't it, with that Mm. too. Um, So, yes, how how do you work with somebody in terms of getting them to understand where they're at in their life and, you know, where they need to go?
2: Yeah, I mean, primarily with um, any good therapy, you're looking at you're getting people to actually set goals to say actually what they want to change, what they want to be different. So that's really important. It's not, you know, it's about thinking actually. Yes, we, you're here because something's not working in your life, but what do you want needs to be different. So that's a really good starting point. And what is the goal? And somebody might say, well, I just want to feel happier. And if you had like a football stadium full of people who's, and who said they all wanted to be happy, that would be X amount of different versions of what happy means,
0: wouldn't it? Yeah, for me yeah, and for you, it would yeah. be very
2: different. So you have to really kind of pin that down into something concrete. What does that mean? So, okay, happier might be, um, you know, sort of going out more. or It might be sort of... I mean, feeling more motivated in the morning, or whatever it might be. Um, so you then the other thing around sort of identifying the goals actually use questionnaires as well. So we can actually look at those nine needs and actually gauge it on a scale of zero to ten. How well do you feel that's being met? So it's a really kind of swift, quick way of seeing where the underlying uh, issues might what might be triggering that. Um, yeah, and that, cause you think that because we mentioned about work-related stress and those kind of things, it can be very, very evident. Um, so that's primarily is actually getting them to set their goals. And then we think about if we work towards what, you know, how to change, what to put in place to make that, you know, to improve things. Um, you might also have people that have got um, sort of traumatic events or difficulties from the past that are affecting them, their well-being now. So part of the training is actually, you know, being able to de-traumatize and work with trauma and get them through that so that they can actually move forward. Um, so that's as that's as brief as simple as as brief as I can be, and quite a, quite a big kind of question, isn't it? Really? Yeah, yeah. no,
1: definitely. And I, I think, as you're saying, everybody has their own different versions of what makes them happy, and exactly. Um, I mean, everyone's just individual anyway. So people mm. will come with that with different traumas and different exactly. life
0: experiences. Exactly.
1: Um, so it's it's not just as easy <laughs> just to say this is what we do. Um, it sounded a bit also um, about. Uh, sort of Human Givens um, was giving me sort of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, sort of.
2: Oh, yes. Yeah. I, I mean, a lot of people there kind there of, um, if you've heard of Maslow, that's obviously a very a much, a much older um, version, effectively. Yeah, old. But yeah. Maslow talks about hierarchy and implies that you have to meet the first level before you reach the top of self actualization Whereas the Human Givens is saying actually it's getting all of these needs met in balance. Yeah, um, but I think I imagine. I mean, Human Givens, the whole um, ethos and training, it comes out of what works well anyway. So we probably wouldn't have even had it without Maslow, I'd imagine.
1: Yeah, yeah. Of, you know what I
2: mean? Because this, looking at you know, it came about back. It was, it's over twenty years old. It's relatively newish for a therapeutic approach. Um, and the founders, Joe Griffin and Ivan Tyrrell. Actually developed this approach to working therapeutically in response to some of the less less effective work that's going on out there. I mean there's lots of people, lots of different trainings of course, doing really good work, but as a member of the vulnerable member of the public, how do you know where to start or what to look for yeah, true. and and some people are doing you know less harm than others to put it mildly so they actually started out by looking at sort of some core skills. What sort of therapist, counsellors, psychotherapists would need to actually be more effective? And then from then it just built up into becoming a whole diploma course, and and that's kind of you know where I got to with it really. Yeah. But just starting on doing the odd day and thinking this is interesting. I do another day and then building up and actually yeah. thinking oh, I'm going to do the diploma. <laughs> <laughs> and 20 so guess, years 20 odd years later here I am <laughs> here
1: you are so you were there also from the quite early beginnings and actually haven't you so I, I was
2: used... yes yes but didn't really realise We just go through like a you know a training day you don't realise that oh, this is something that's that's new I mean when I talked to yeah. you just now about those nine needs and maybe for listeners as well people don't actually hadn't heard of this or weren't aware of it I was, I was talking to somebody yesterday through some other work I'm doing um and I won't name the name because she, this person said when they were at school and they had difficulties in their mental health around kind of wanting to achieve well and struggling mentally and and actually to the point of self harming. Had they known that they had emotional needs that weren't being met, that would have made a difference. Yeah, and that was really empowering to you know to hear that from adults now to say actually and, and part of this is I'm I'm going to be doing some work with some young people. Around sort of teaching them this stuff, basically, so that's where we got into that conversation about how um, empowering it can be to hear this or to under, have an understanding that we have emotional needs that need to be met in balance.
1: Yeah, definitely, um, mm. and I, I think balance is a word that keeps coming up, but is that is so essential, isn't it? Because yes, you you can't have too much of anything. Like I mm. have way too many sweets and chocolates. <laughs> <laughs> it is my devil. Um, but you can't, yeah, you can't have too much of everything. Everything sort of needs that balance, doesn't it, mm. um, in life? And I guess with all those needs too, as you are saying, you can't have, you know, you don't give a child too much attention, do you? But then you don't want to give them too little attention. Exactly. Or yeah. You don't want sort of, I don't know, your status to be really, I mean, some people want their status to be really, really high, but then with that comes a lot of other things as well, which is not always as easy. I think I, I haven't read Will Smith's book yet, but... Um, in his book he was saying, oh when I was um when I was poor at least I could blame blame my depression on my mentor on my on my poverty.
2: Okay. Then he
1: was like oh, but when I was rich I didn't have anything to blame it on. Mm. Um which I was like that's really sort of fascinating just like for him like it was like it was it wasn't an excuse no longer sort of like
0: mm.
1: I have to necessarily deal with it. So that I guess that's also just a, a thing of oh just cause you're because 'cause you're you know famous or something or you've got high status or something is going really well for you on the outside doesn't mean everything is going well on the inside isn't it
2: exactly and it's not so it shows it's not just about material things in life doesn't it really mm. as we are, we know that because you know we're not rich and famous yet <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes it's a key word in
0: that one yeah.
2: <laughs> i've had to just pull up a crib sheet because even though i've been doing this for a long time you don't always remember them. <laughs> but um, I mentioned, I touched on um, resources. So some of the resources we have to get our emotional needs met. So that ties in with the, the bit of the human givens that is often forgotten about, to be mentioned. We talk a lot about needs. But we yeah. also need to think about what innate resources we've got. So um, a rational mind. We can think relatively clearly. <laughs>
0: okay. Yeah. Um, hopefully. And through
2: this interview, where I've kind of, Stumbled on my words, or not thought, not got the right word, or you know that's a little bit (laughs) anxiety, isn't it? When we we get a little bit stressed, we don't get our words out right. But when we're calm, we can think clearly. So coming back to human givens, one of the things I do in therapy is teach people how to relax, how to calm down. Because I mean, one of the things we were taught in our training, when people get emotionally worked up, what we call emotional arousal. Mm-hmm. Not that that, that's, that disengages your thinking brain and makes you stupid.
1: So yeah, you, so yeah, you yeah. say
2: things that without thinking because you're so you know
1: so stressed. in the moment so, and just yeah. yeah you're rattled, aren't you? It's just like yeah. when people say, "I need to go away before I say something I don't regret." Before I say something I do regret, isn't it? It's like I'm not, I don't mean yeah. whatever I'm going to say, but I need to just walk out of this situation.
2: Mm. And then we've got emotions and instincts, so that hopefully speaks for itself. We've we've got instincts, we have emotions and feelings and those sorts of things.
0: Um,
2: An important one is obviously memories as well. and We have a long-term memory. But we can also, the issue here is sometimes we can misuse our innate resources. So um, another one, for example, um, well, irrational mind, imagination and those kind of things as well. If we kind of, when people get anxious and, and worry about things, Sometimes they they misuse imagination by thinking about the worst case scenario that can happen. Yeah. I think it was um uh, Winston Churchill apparently apparently quoted the most most of the things that he worried about didn't actually happen, <laughs> and we probably yeah. could all agree with that, couldn't we? Yeah, um,
0: true.
2: We've got the ability to connect with people as human beings, build rapport. What's in my head? I'm sure you've heard of the poet Benjamin Zephaniah.
1: No, I feel like... I've oh, you must look him
2: before. up. I've met him a few times. Fantastic chap. But he's written a poem. I saw he's got a children's book. He's written a poem called People Need People. Yeah. Look it up. It's fantastic. Okay. But that ties in with we need, you know, I thought, I love that. We need Keep people. We, we, we are. We're social animals. We're not supposed to be in this world on our own. And we, we've got the natural ability to build rapport and to actually get on with people. Again, for some people, but people on the autistic spectrum, they struggle with relationships, um, recognising social cues, reading body language, so they their resources may not be fully intact and sometimes they need to be taught. Some people need to be taught some of this stuff because it doesn't come naturally. Um, the imagination I've mentioned already, um, ability to know, so it's just kind of um, ability to kind of just look at things at a different perspective, basically. Um, the observing self, that just simply means that the ability to just take a step back and look at things from a different perspective.
1: Yeah. And Is in it-
2: therapy, sorry.
1: I was just going to say, like, you were going to say how you do that in therapy, because I imagine that's not always quite easy for people to step back and sort of reflect.
2: (laughs) Exactly. In therapy, in a way, you're borrowing somebody's brain when you go to a therapist, because you can't see this, don't do this stuff for yourself. So you're actually getting a professional to actually see it from a different perspective. So that's part of it. Through some of the um, muse-guided imagery and relaxation techniques... So that's a really um, swift way of getting somebody to actually sound, I don't want to make this sound weird, but effectively step out of your body in a way, isn't it? To actually yeah, look at have an out-of-body experience.
0: <laughs> well, not quite. <laughs> <You> know <laughs> what I mean.
2: But just to take a step back and look at a situation from a different perspective, yeah. or maybe even from somebody else's perspective. So I might say to somebody um, um, who's struggling with something, well, actually, if you had... If you had a friend who had the same issues that you've got, difficulties you've got at the moment, what advice might you give them? And that's a really good question to ask to somebody who's actually, you know, the person that all their friends go to for advice, but no, yeah. when they've got their issues, there's nobody there for them. So you can get them to turn it around that <laughs> way, <eventually.
1: laughs> Yes. Yeah, um, I've I feel that one's, um, I've heard... Uh, that one worked quite well, actually, in terms of like, especially for some people that don't take their own advice. It's like you would say this to me, so I'm like I'm saying this to you now, or like mm. sort of get you mm. to to come out of yourself and realize that you're in the, you're in the same situation.
2: And then the last one is our dreaming brain. Well,
1: so what so is that? We,
2: so we have a brain. We dream when we when we sleep. Yeah. Don't we? we also yeah. daydream in the daytime. And our natural um, rhythm is that about roughly every 90 minutes, we will go into like, um, and this goes back, we think back to our um, our human needs, uh, need for privacy to consolidate. We have that innate resource by having a brain that dreams, that daydreams, that allows us that time to just kind of take a step back. And you think when we learn, we need to take a step back to learn. I don't know when about you. I know you've recently been studying, but yeah. if you did an all-nighter, for example, you don't take anything in by the early hours. You need to no, actually. No, you really don't. <laughs> yes. And the other thing about dreaming as well—that's um, part. So we tie that in with um, again using imagination. So and that, and you can use that those aspects of um, how our brain works to actually work through trauma. I don't need to go into too much detail about that at the moment, but. Yeah. It's just being the awareness of of having those resources and how we can the point is that using these resources to get the needs met.
1: Yeah. That's so a, we have so we have our own sort of our own strengths. And I feel like we don't always necessarily feel like we have our own strengths, even though, you know. there's so many things which people can sort of maybe look back on and be like, actually, I had to be really strong, even if you don't even Mm. realise you had to be strong at that point. Um, So a lot of those in like, uh, inner strengths can also help us sort of then meet our future needs. Yeah, and then going
2: back to, yeah, exactly.
1: Sorry, carry on. uh, I was just saying, and I guess that's where you guys also come in and sort of support people in matching those together and getting them to realise it's...
2: Yeah, but also that comes back into the fact that we've got a long-term memory. So somebody that's struggling with situation, uh, so was there a time in the past when you've been able, when you were able to do something similar successfully? So drawing that memory back up, and then getting them to use imagination to imagine actually solving that problem in a different way in the future so it's that comes into rehearsing we get good at what we rehearse don't we yeah you think about it
0: yes. yeah true and that applies no, no, to everything
2: not just our, not just our mental health but you know if we rehearse being miserable and depressed and not wanting to get up in the morning that's what we get good at yeah if we start rehearsing feeling energized in the morning and getting out of bed and going for that little jog that i did this morning even though <laughs> you know, it wasn't very far, it wasn't very fast <laughs> We'll get better at it. That's my yeah. that's my
1: hope anyway. <laughs> well, as long as to be honest with you, as, as long as you get out there, even sometimes when I haven't done exercising, I'm like, at least let me just get outside and go for a walk or something. Yes. I it always just helps anyway. It makes me feel better about myself, even if I'm not doing much, and that's always and that's mm. I guess just as a basis, it's a good start either way, isn't it? Um, yeah, nothing
2: better to create sanity, isn't it, than the fresh air
1: and a walk, a <laughs> bit of exercise. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um so as we've been saying, you uh, Human given has been going um, around for 20 years, or you've been within it for 20 years. Um, and so from when I was reading your bio, it said that you worked a lot with children and young people. That's right. um, and so I guess I wanted to know a bit, um, just a bit about sort of, I guess, how youth mental health is currently in this moment, or some of the things that you've noticed about sort of young people and their mental health.
2: Oh, that's a good question. Because I've worked in the NHS um, in the Children Adolescent Mental Health Services, CAMHS. Well, actually, that's when I started my human givens training, actually, when I was in that
0: environment. To be fair,
2: that's what motivated me to (laughs) sort of brush up my skills, basically. And I can even think, just before I answer that question, so when, you know, I'm, I'm sure I'm older than you, but when I was at school... I had no awareness of young people self-harming. Taking overdoses, weren't aware of that. We were probably quite closeted, I don't know. But looking at the difference now, and to give my age away, this I'm talking about the 80s, yeah. to how things are now and the rates of self-harm, suicide attempts, um, I haven't got a quick answer. There's lots of theories. I mean, a lot of the training around... Um, your sort of mental health awareness training now touches a lot, particularly for young people, on um, building resilience. Mm-hmm. So, is this about how our societies changed? Have they got, have they got less resilience? I, I haven't got the answer to that, but yeah. something's gone wrong, hasn't it? Yeah, something's <laughs> changed. Like I guess something's
1: changed. Yeah. Would you would you argue, or could some people say that maybe it wasn't like? as, I don't know, as talked about or as prominent later, earlier in the 80s, or that we actually have seen a spike in a rise in number, um, which I maybe, I don't know, maybe it's a bit of both, to be honest, it's probably not just one thing. I suspect um, it's a
2: bit of both, actually, because, you know, I'm it, it, I'm sure it was out there. Um, you know, we think about um, the horrendous stuff we've heard in the news around um, sort of child sexual abuse of Jimmy Savile and all of that yeah stuff that went on that was going on in the 70s but nobody was talking about it so with relation to yeah with relation to the, the the mental health of children i mean the services are stretched there must be a rise but you know there's i'm sure as you say it's a combination of things isn't it that's actually led to that
1: yeah it's yeah it's quite as you're saying that there are like in terms of the services it's quite unfortunate because you know some of these services have amazing people in them and are doing mm. amazing work mm. um like cams um which is children and adolescents mental health That's
0: right.
1: um like they do, like they do fantastic work. But
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, I think when I was um doing my placement for my social work, um, you were referring people, and you they'd ask you the wait, and you'd sort of be like, I don't really know, or you'd be like, it's a year, or you know, just mm-hmm. just imagine it's a year for someone to see a therapist. You know, by the time they've seen them, even the situation's if it's fixed itself, which is, I mean. It can be good if it's done in a healthy way, but then if it's not, I guess if it's not done in a healthy way, could you say it's fixed to a certain extent? Um, but all the situation could have got worse, you know, you're reaching exactly. people at a, at a bad yes. time. Yeah,
2: and a year in a child's life is a long time, isn't it? Yeah.
0: If
2: you think about it. My, my last, um, I just do locum work for CAMS now. My last job I did, I um, was actually working through the for the waiting list. So I was assessing children who had been waiting for a year. So they might have had like a you know a, a low level trauma, but but you then by the time you saw them it wasn't it was untreated for a year. So what you then mm-hmm. have on top of that is all the behaviours that they've actually had to um, develop in order to cope with the untreated trauma. So you did, so it makes it it actually makes it more complex the, the more you leave it alone. I mean. We used to jokingly say ignore people long enough and they sort themselves out, but I don't think that's entirely true, <laughs> is it really? <laughs> it might be for some people, maybe in social work, but I'm not sure. <laughs> no, joking aside, it's, you know, that's that's um that's that's a tricky one, isn't it? Um and it is also a postcode lottery because most people assume that their mental health services across the UK have long waiting lists and aren't fit for purpose. Um I know in the area that I live in, in Somerset there isn't a waiting list in CAMS. Yeah. Which,
0: so that's really unusual. That's really, crazy, unusual. Be that's yeah, really un- yeah,
2: because so it's, it's pretty good service down here. Um, <laughs> which I'm always mindful of as a private practitioner. Oh well, I'm not I'm not as busy with my CAMS private cases because they're being seen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's <give> me... just... <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: But sometimes I, mean... I
2: mean yeah, so yeah. Go on. I suppose some of the ones that would come my way would be the people that don't reach the criteria. That's what I was going to say, because it has to, the criteria for the mental health service at NHS is pretty high, has to be high risk, you know, sort of.
1: Yeah, which I guess not, Mm. not, not everyone's going to be high risk, isn't it? You sort of, even if a medium risk, you still need that. Yeah, but there's, there's other help,
2: services that they, and it may be through school or other um, charitable services and stuff like that. Um, and the issue there, of course, it depends. I mean, there is, I mean, there is more training, and it's you know the trade the actual practitioners are a lot more skilled now. But you know, years ago, somebody would come and say, "I've oh, been, I've been to a school counsellor for the past three or four years, and it hasn't helped." And you you start asking what the school counsellor's been doing, but it might just be a, somebody that's actually working in the school it's not got any counselling training, that's just there as a yeah. student support person. So that's why it hasn't helped because they haven't got the extra you know, the extra training and skills. That is changing now, but that you know what I mean. So they so their expectation is, oh, I've done all the talking, so now. Yeah. You know, what else is
0: there? What else is there? Give me yeah, drugs, yeah. give
2: me medication. <laughs> <laughs> it's not where you end up.
1: You know. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. Mm. Um, and yeah, I guess it's, it's um, all on an individual basis What's needed for somebody, yes. isn't it? Mm. Um, because yeah, sometimes drugs might be what's needed, but then sometimes, you know, something else isn't needed uh, or something different is needed. Just maybe more of a talking therapy Exactly. Yes. and stuff as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And with with young people, you generally don't start with medication anyway. It's very different to where uh, the adult mental health services um, you would you, you know priority. You should be looking at talking therapy first. Yeah, before going down you know down that route.
1: So, what are some of the difficulties that young people are sort of saying to you um, when they are coming? Like in terms of, I guess, for young people now, there's a lot more different sort of. Um, pressures and different like, mm, sort of exposures mm. as well. Um,
0: yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, one of the things that is really evident now, and my private practice has been the busiest I've been this year, unfortunately, because of the aftermath of lockdown and COVID.
1: COVID yeah. and a lot
2: of these kids have lost two years of socialising, you know, the education. So that's, that's also going back to the basics of human givens their emotional needs had not been met for two years Uh, of lockdown
1: we didn't have people did we except no people people in our (laughs) yes exactly
2: yeah yeah um so it's very to what i mean what the the issues are, are coming our way i mean sometimes i mean school is a major issue as i'm sure you know listeners will recall their days at school and if school is a nice place and you enjoy it then you know fantastic but if like I hated I hated my secondary school like I, think, I remember the last three years I, I just hated just and hate that level going. of stress of so yeah of being in and you don't you've got no choice you've got to go there
1: yeah <laughs> no control either there's that control aspect yeah. isn't it you have to go and do something which yeah you hate going to, and it's every day yeah. as well, isn't it? Your weekend mm. is your only escape point.
2: But I think as an adult reflecting on what it was that was so bad, it was about kind of probably about being told what to do, not you know the hypocrisy. I'm going to get the out. <laughs> um, You know, all those things that come along with being a teenager, anyway. And I think, for example, from my my memory, we had we had to do um, French to learn French, and I was wasn't interested. I was never going to go to France, and how you know? But that's that's a typical thirteen, fourteen, or whatever age I was. Whereas yeah. now in my fifties, I'm thinking, "Wow, if I'd paid more attention, I spent so much money with private, you know, sort of um adult education classes trying to learn
0: French." Because
2: <laughs> 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 I wasn't interested at school.
0: <laughs> but,
1: yeah, French. I, I never liked I mean I was in your same boat. I never liked French, to be honest with you. It just mm-hmm. wasn't I don't even know what it was about French. Like I like listening to other people speak languages and like I would yes, do want, yes. I'd love to learn some, but like French was just long, like <laughs>
0: I can't describe. Well my
2: current my current um project at the moment, because my parents are from um French well, Dominica in the Caribbean. No. So they spoke, like, it used to be called Patois, now called Creole, French Creole. Okay. They never taught us because they didn't think we needed to know, but we're now there's, I've just bought a book to actually teach myself how to speak the language. So when I go out there, you know, I'll actually be able to hear what the she locals comes. are saying about us. And it's yeah, very definitely. similar to French oh so okay
1: sense. so it's all coming back to French the it's coming round yes <laughs> I've gone
2: off on a tangent sorry <laughs> That's
1: question. no it's good but you were saying schools can provide stress. we'll talk about schools to be fair that they can provide stresses for children um, okay. and yeah I guess Um, like what else, like schools, Covid, Covid must have been a crazy one, to be honest, because even kids not wanting to go back to school because of Covid, I remember that uh, was happening and sort of even then I was causing issues. And the anxiety
2: around it and everything else, wasn't there, basically. Yeah,
1: Um, yeah.
2: And then, of course, you've got um, issues around relationships and bullying, which is a trauma. If you think about, you know, being bullied is traumatic yeah people don't think of it in that language but it is if that's happening at school that's a that's a toxic environment to be sending any child into every day um, and that's going to impact on their mental health and long term potentially
0: um, yeah definitely
1: mm. um so yeah it's quite it's it's a I don't even know how to describe it. It's just a very interesting time we live in, to be honest with you. Mm, Um,
0: mm.
1: Because I think you can easily... I I was listening to a podcast the other day, and the guy was talking about having hope sort of while things seem hopeless um, Mm. and sort of how that can sort of impact your your mental health and things like that. Um, But I guess also just something takes me back in terms of what you're saying in terms of like the stories you sort of repeat to yourself Mm -hmm. um can sort of really go a long way um And I guess keeping sort of a good mental health, like during, like I said, during these crazy times, like you, who, who whoever thought you would have had Russia invading Ukraine and, you Mm -hmm. know, and then fuel prices and, you know, economies and democracies around the world just doing crazy things. It's a crazy time. It fully, like I I talk about it with my cousin and you just sort of, every time you say something again, you're like, wow, just wow.
2: And the worst thing to do is to watch the late news and then go to bed with all that negative, <laughs> bad news. I know we should be aware of it, you know what I mean? But I was listening to the late news last night. I thought, how are you going to, how you going to have a restful night's sleep after? I mean, am not saying we should ignore what's going on in the world, but, it, you know, it's pretty grim, isn't it, really?
0: Yeah. <laughs> like
2: well, the things you've just said. Really.
1: <laughs> and that's not even all yeah. of them, is it? So it's No, just...
2: no, it's just <laughs> touching on it, <laughs> isn't it, really?
1: So yeah, like they said, either laugh or you'll cry as well. Yeah. Mm, mm. Um, so I guess, I like, I guess on the topic of sort of how to keep like a min- like good no min- not even good mental health, but sort of how mm. to keep yourself sane in mm. such a crazy world, like sort of what would you, like, what would you do? Or sort of what would you maybe advise people?
2: Yeah, I, th- I think it's going back to, for me, and what I advise people is actually to that time to do stuff for yourself. And the busier we get, that can sometimes be. And when I say do stuff, it may just be going to the gym, doing things you enjoy, going for that, you know, getting up an hour earlier and doing a bit of exercise, if that's your thing, um, meeting up with some friends, you know, if you can't see them in person, do something on, you know, phone call, whatever it might be. Yeah,
1: we we'll were doing um, something in COVID, weren't we, when we couldn't yeah. see everybody?
2: The other thing that I, um, is doing, being creative. It's my sister, but doing something with your hands. I'm moving my hands as I'm saying this, actually. So knitting, maybe if you're into that, Um, I've just started jewellery making, which is just something I've been doing like on a weekend or whatever.
1: Oh, cool. It's
2: creative getting into that, you know, because whilst you're you're, joining a choir or, you know, I'm talking about stuff I do, but I mean,
1: yeah, there's plenty of, there's plenty
0: of other things. Playing a
2: musical instrument. Because when you're um, focused on something you enjoy, you have there's there's limited space for all the things that you know those negative things are going on in the world or what might be in your world basically. Um, so that's what I, it's really about that, that self care part of that part of this is, is about self care and that's really important for people who are in, in the caring profession as well. And there's a term which I'm sure you're familiar with, um, compassion fatigue. I'm sure
1: you've heard of that. Yeah, yeah, they've told us about <laughs> <Yes>. that before. <laughs>
2: yes. And I often, sometimes, I, the worst thing with my, with my NHS job, because that's quite, you know, high tariff, I only do it part-time, I had a, a month off in August, and within a week of going back, and you kind of... Look at the case, caseload and hear the stories, and you know, you know, you know what I'm thinking, what I'm saying. And it is really heart sync, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't feel like you've been away sometimes, actually. And that's because when you've had a when, when you're in when you're stuck in these situations, you don't realise just how horrific the stories we hear. You know, yeah. in your, in social work, in mental health. You have to detach yourself from it. You can't get Emotionally involved in somebody else's pain because that will you burn out.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think, said, um, I think they said. I think they said. I can't remember what the statistic was, but it was quite high. But it was like something percentage of social workers leave within the first five years, or mm. um, quite a high percentage, just because people do come in and they burn out. And like mm. I even remember, I was. Um, like, because I, when I was in a, I can't I don't even say, it. when I was in a MASH team, can't say where I was though, um, mm. but... um even just when I was doing my placement there and then i had finished my placement, mm. I remember I'd told somebody, I'll get someone to call you back or something like that. And like while I was swimming in the morning, I just remember, I was thinking, did, did she call her back? I wonder how it went and exactly, things like that. And yes. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm trying to swim. Like, I'm just trying to mm. do this, mm. this thing here. Mm. And this mm. was at like six no no not six in the morning not that early but around like seven o'clock and like oh my day is like, it's like it's hard not to even it's though hard, you exactly. tell yourself don't think about it
2: but you can't not you can't you wouldn't be able to do the job if you didn't care
0: yeah and I would
2: never want to be those sort of burnt out health professionals who don't care and I've heard too many stories of those people I'll never be one of those people anyway but at the same time you've got to be aware of that because I mean, I know sometimes like taking a week off and then somebody will come into my head. Well, I think about, you know, and that's okay to a point, isn't it? But what you don't want to be doing is checking your work email and,
0: yeah, you know, then going down a rabbit hole, and just... or
2: behaving like you know a certain conservative politician, and sending you know stuff in your work <laughs> <private> <laughs> email that's work related, or whatever it might be. So, just, so, yeah, just yeah, just
1: someone.
2: <laughs> but it's rec- it's about recognizing that, isn't it? And also, if you are feeling a little bit of um, the compassion fatigue, a little bit sort of tired, planning your time off and taking proper you know proper time off. And I know in, in in health and social care that's really tricky. particularly even you've got a caseload, and you come back after a week off, and they're all kind yeah, of, yeah, you've some, got to have over, somebody emails. else got to look up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's but that's that's about the system. How that system needs to be looking after people as well. You know that this is that you're working with.
0: Yeah, you don't definitely. have
2: to come back to that. Literally. But no, it's yeah. not a, it's not easy in health and social care. But it's something that you've got to be mindful of. yeah.
1: Yeah, no, you've definitely got to be mindful of it. Um, and I think even just sort of like coming back onto what you're saying in terms of doing something creative or do something to distract your mind off it, like even for those, for everybody, but then us in the care, um, Mm,
0: mm. in the
1: care industries, for me, practicing, like playing guitar, I learned guitar and,
0: oh, there you
2: go.
1: In lockdown um yeah. so that was sort of like because i used to play as a kid um mm-hmm. i did a few lessons um and i think i just got bored of it but then like I, mm-hmm. you know like when you then regret you like imagine if i'd stuck with it all these years <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> um, i
2: have a so- saxophone that i haven't played for about 10 years and- oh i love <laughs> I a must-
0: saxophone
2: <laughs> there was one time i remember several years ago when i was i used to practice every, play a bit every day and I remember one point I had a client come because I work from home, and I was playing. He could probably he saw me afterwards. He came playing as he walked down the floor before ringing the bell. I actually answered the door with the saxophone still on my neck. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: How's that for building rapport?
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Breaking down that barrier of actually going to see a professional and the no a... A real just, person who's chilled out with everything.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine they probably would have wanted to talk about that sex for a bit as well. It's yeah, a good way to break that barrier down, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's loads. I think there's loads of things that you can do which are creative and then sort of yeah. spark your interests. yeah um, yeah, and just get out and do them because, like you said, this world's crazy out here. So, mm. you know, even Christmas time now, go to some Christmas markets. I can't wait for Christmas markets, honestly. Going to get some mulled wine, like chilling in a nice coat and everything. Um, but just doing things you love, isn't it? Yeah. Just sort of and spending time with friends and family as well.
0: Mm.
2: And I've got to find a Christmas market to do a stall and sell these these earrings I've been making.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You put it to good use, isn't it? Make some money off that, you know?
2: Yeah, I've done some red, gold and green and some LGB rainbow ones, and LGBTQ ones and all sorts. (laughs) Just original (laughs) stuff that you wouldn't get in the shop.
1: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) We like it. No, we definitely Mm -hmm. like it. Um, So uh, I just wanted to sort of ask you um, in terms of about... Uh, mental health and coming back to sort of and men's mental health Mm. um I I wanted to see how like what you think in terms of um how men and women experience sort of mental health differently um or whether there are any differences I mean I'm sure Mm. there are differences but sort of um what have you noticed throughout your years of
0: practice
2: wow that's that's a really good question and that comes down to the difference between men and women and you're right, there is a difference, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> so men men and boys would often, and we have to generalize here because we which is generalising, because not everyone yeah. is individual, but more likely to be doing sort of um, more, I don't want to say aggressive, but maybe that's what I mean here. So you'd, you'd see the anger. So if you've got you've got somebody a child or a boy that's traumatised and a girl that's traumatized, the boy is more likely to be punching balls and getting angry the girl is more likely to be cutting themselves and taking overdose. And that is very, you know, generalised. That's the difference. With men, and men, males, boys, it's around the thinking style. So they generally would want to, um, you see a problem and you want to sort it.
1: Yeah, usually.
2: So that's... You, you, remember those awful you probably you don't remember but there were some awful books called men, men are from Mars women are from Venus and there was I've, those, heard of
1: the, I've heard of the book I've never read it though
2: <laughs> I tried to read it I couldn't it was not my thing it was a bit, <laughs> bit weird but some of the stuff underlying in there was touching on those differences so men to kind of they call it Mr fix it and going back to, the, to their sheds and having their caves and so if a woman goes to a man with a problem they would actually come up with a solution and trying to fix it for them, and the women would think, actually, I don't feel listened to. You're trying to fix my problem. I just want to. I just want somebody to kind of just say, okay, I hear what you're saying. I will put my arm, their arm around you, and everything's all right. Okay. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's hard for us to do that as well, isn't it? We want <laughs> to.
0: We want to do. Sad- we want to yeah. solve your issue.
2: But sadly, with depression, for example, the you know highest rates of the higher rates of suicide in men, as we know. Sadly, mm-hmm. so this comes down to partly to the that male thinking style of wanting to fix things, but also when somebody gets depressed, they get into a state of what we call black and white thinking. So actually, it's all or nothing,
0: mm-hmm. and
2: and also a sense of this is going to never going to change. It's going to be a permanent situation. It's going to affect every aspect of my life. And if you're in that state of mind that depression is dre- leading you into, then they're going to is the solution is to not be alive. And they're more likely to do more aggressive, if, if you know, sort of self harm suicidal attempts that are more likely to be successful, unfortunately.
1: Yeah. So I guess that goes okay. with that.
2: Without naming of, them on the here. Okay.
1: Yeah. I was just going to say, I guess that goes with that line of thinking of like, maybe suicide is the only way to fix it. Like, in mm. terms of men, it's like, I've got to fix it. How can I? This is permanent. So I guess I have mm. to do something that's mm. permanent, isn't it?
2: And it's not permanent, of course. It's a you yeah. know, it's it's a permanent solution to a temporary problem.
0: Yeah.
2: Sadly, but sadly, the rates of suicide in boys and men are higher, so it's got to be down to that difference in the you know thinking style and and how and of course how depression and that's, that that process will affect people. In women and girls, you're more likely to see it turned in. So you may see eating disorders. You might see more sort of the self harm. You may see overdoses as well, with and they might even with the overdose be intense that you just want to fall asleep and not wake up.
0: Mm-hmm. So
2: the less of the aggressive, you know, more um, attempts that are more likely to be survived. And I'm saying I'm I'm generalising because of course there are girls and women who do more aggressive stuff than those things, and there are men that that do less aggressive things to to hurt themselves. But it's around. That mindset and how you kind of see, you know, you consider that to be the only way out. And mm-hmm. of course, what I haven't mentioned is talking. So, the, you know, that kind of the stigma behind going to talk to somebody like me or, you know, a, a talking therapist, you know, um, not to do that um, within the Black community as well. That sense of actually, you don't chat your business to other people; you keep it to yourself. So culturally, could be an issue as well, um, male and female. So there's lots of lots of things that that would affect that
0: outcome.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, And as you were saying, it's definitely a big generalisation, but you sort of have got to, to maybe at least sort of have the discussion, because we can't have a discussion um, on individual basis, can we, or else we'll be here forever. But I I think that is quite... um, quite good for sort of people to understand and especially for men and for women mm, um, mm. and for both ways, because if we understand how women experience mental health, it makes us better as men for mm, when we're in our mm, relations with them mm, and vice mm. versa. Um, and yeah, um, like I, I think something recently had happened to my dad um and it was a, a sort of a family issue and him um, mm. he and as and we'll we'll like to him we we'll are like oh you know if you want to if you want to talk about it we're here um and he was like, no, it's it's not something I really want to talk about right mm. now. Mm. Um, so we sort of, we've, we've given him his space to sort of deal with that, but but yes. but we've let him know that we're th- that we're there. Mm. Um, That's the
2: key, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, mm. and then, but then even mm. my brother was sort of like made a joke in terms of about like, oh no, he's a man who doesn't speak his feelings. Um, mm. So <laughs> so I I think there's a sort of a bit of a playfulness there, but then also like a. He doesn't. He's not ready necessarily to talk about it just yet. Mm. Maybe he's probably. He might have talked to my mum about it, yes. um, but I don't know if he has yet. But there's. I think with men, there is still that. Especially for older men, there's sort of still that. I'm going to sort of keep my feelings quite reserved, mm. and maybe mm-hmm. until I know how I properly feel. Yeah,
2: um, and I guess that that again, I'm just thinking out loud here as you just maybe sort of think about a potential reason for that is that because for men the emotion involved in actually talking about feelings is a lot Bigger potentially than for women who we're used to talking. <laughs> women, you know, will do that and talk to girlfriends yeah. and that kind of thing. naturally more so. And again, I know I'm generalising, and there'll be people maybe shouting at this podcast thinking, "No, that's not true."
1: <laughs> but
2: is that is that part of it? Do you think
1: that that sort of the vulnerability more of it? Yes, like in terms of yeah. I don't. Feeling. I don't
2: want to actually let my guard down and appear to be vulnerable.
1: Yeah, I, I, I probably there probably is a bit of that and, and I've and I've definitely maybe even experienced that more for myself in terms of mm, like mm. if i am needing to be vulnerable with somebody or even like yes. even in, in a relationship where you sort of need to say something, but you're like, oh, this feels so awkward because I have to share how I'm feeling
0: mm, or I have to say mm, that mm. I'm
1: hurting and um so yeah, I, I think for a lot of men, um, there probably is that sort of I'm actually I'm scared to even just say how I feel um mm-hmm. and it could be for multiple reasons as well because there could be men that have came out and said how they feel and been ridiculed by their partners mm-hmm. or been mm-hmm. you know not listened to or accepted so that there's also i guess a trauma there sometimes where men have tried and it's yes. not worked so like yeah. no forget it um yeah but
2: it's interesting about this the feelings thing because i don't you know people assume like for some forms of counseling and therapy the question will be how does that make you feel and it's overused i don't i don't use that i don't work that way at all um if i'm talking to like um boys and particularly young lads or maybe even people with um on the autistic spectrum where they can't necessarily name their emotions or talk about how they feel i would just say something like what do you think about that yeah and that's rather than asking about feelings what do they think because then that can then get them more into that logical part of the brain to start thinking in their problem solving what they think rather than feelings, which might make them feel they've got to go inwards. And that's such a subtle little use of language. And often that can be easier for males to answer what you think than what you feel. And you may even still get the same answer. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's the same question, but just worded a bit differently.
1: Yeah, because what you think... Because you're probably thinking about how you're feeling, isn't it, (laughs) Yeah.
2: Or you're thinking through the issue. Yes. Um, so if you had a friend that had a relationship, I mean it's probably not the best example, but it's what come to my head. So friends had a relationship breakup and you say, Oh, and how how are you feeling about the fact that she's left you for somebody else? And they're gonna like, oh, I don't want to answer that. What do you think about the person that she went off with? <laughs> oh, I think he's whatever. You know, I mean it's Yay. It can potentially actually open up a conversation. Um and I think talking about men's health as well. Um, and I'm sure a lot of men do this with their mates so somebody that's actually retreating or is behaving a little bit differently to how they normally do not not wanting to socialize is checking them out is checking out not not necessarily saying to them what's going on or asking those detailed questions but just letting them know like you said earlier i'm here and not giving up on them yeah if somebody's going yeah. through a bad patch isn't
1: it yeah definitely yeah just mm. just I remember I was having a conversation last year for November, and someone was saying sort of like, um, he was saying his dad's told him to lead from the front. Like if you want your boys to be vulnerable with you, sort of you let them know that you're there, but mm, also be vulnerable mm, yourselves too. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to do. It's, I mean, it's never easy to be vulnerable for anybody. Um, but it's all sort of like, it's just a part of life. Isn't it really? Yeah.
2: And, and it's also about that, um, Going back to like what we talking about the emotional needs as well. If you've got that relationship with somebody, the intimacy, someone accepts you for who you are, warts and all. Part of that is that vulnerability, isn't it? That that, that's the person that you you are vulnerable with because they know that.
1: Yeah. No, definitely.
2: That that side of you.
1: Mm. Yeah, no, that's true, and you you know build that connection even more Mm. in that Mm. community Mm. and relationship. Mm. Um, So. I've I've loved this whole conversation that we've had. Um, and thank you very much for coming onto the podcast. Um, I just wanted to ask you one final question. Okay. Um, and I'm gonna spin it for November. Um, so say if there's a young black boy that's sort of listening to um this podcast or listening to our conversation, mm. um, and I guess they're wanting to sort of understand how can um how can they protect their mental health? How can they mm. sort of navigate this world and be like positive and have positive mental health? What mm. would you sort of uh, advice would you give them or maybe something that you think would really help?
2: Oh, wow. Gosh. Yeah, I no,
0: So how bit, right? could,
2: yeah. So somebody that's not, not necessarily struggling, but just somebody that's out there that wants a message about, how to how to maintain positive mental health yeah
1: yeah yeah. i mean even if even if like they are struggling and maybe that they need to sort of seek help or something okay um yeah yeah, just sort of how do you sort of navigate that i guess i
2: think i think ultimately is to speak to somebody and it's it's finding that person that one person so if you're in school It may not be the person in school that's supposed to be the one that you talk to. It might be a teacher that you get on with. It might be if you go to an after-school club um, or some kind of, you know, some social activity. There may be just somebody there. It might even be a pal. It could even be like a (laughs) helpline, you know what I mean, or an online play space. But it's somewhere where you can actually... um, just express what's going on for yourself we're not asking you to talk about every last detail and every everything that's going on nobody needs to know everything but just a sense of actually just reaching out actually i'm not doing so well at the minute i'm struggling with with whatever i don't know why so it's just just actually finding the strength and the courage to actually speak out and and actually that is a much braver thing to do and that takes a lot more courage to speak out it's, you know that to actually hold on to it
1: yeah bro bro. Yeah. thank you very much Judith um thank you yeah thank you for coming on to the podcast okay. as well
2: Thank you it's been a pleasure
1: it has been a pleasure <laughs> I, I hope we can do it again soon so I hope you have a good day
2: and thank you very much
1: So guys um I really hope you liked the episode um, thank you for listening and thank you for getting to the end of it. Um, I yeah like I said I really hope you enjoyed it I really hope you took some value from it Um, especially in these crazy times (laughs) you know Taiwan wanting to invade well the other way China wanting to invade Taiwan, Russia, Ukraine I won't even get into it because there's no point in dwelling on what's going on Um, I think for me um I will say that I'm quite a well-informed person Um, and sometimes that can make you sort of scared or worried about the world. I'm very terrified about where the world is going, Um, but I remain hopeful Um, because, you know, I I don't think being sort of gloomy and, and, oh, the world's going to end is um is really helpful for myself you know i think having the knowledge of what's going on actually sort of helps you calm down a bit you know they do say ignorance is bliss but i think i'd rather know what's going on so i can just be well informed but then also i'm like okay i know what's going on so let me do things which i love let me spend time with my friends let me go for walks in nature and let me you know take my camera and just go somewhere you know so yeah i just think it's hard to stay sane in such a crazy world um but i hope this conversation sort of helped with um an understanding of yourself an understanding of mental health um, and what we can do sort of in these times um so yeah so i hope you really enjoyed the conversation um, please tell me what you think on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Um, yeah, you can find me anywhere, really. Um, message me on LinkedIn. Um, you know my whole name, so <laughs> you can easily search me up. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for listening. If you want to know more about Judith, um, just hop onto the show notes um, and you can you know, find links and stuff like that that will help. Um, but also I would say that um, go onto my website um, as well there's loads of resources on there um, about human givens about mental health um, and just some interesting stuff as well even the poem that I read out at the beginning there's a video on there too Um, so yeah I don't think I have anything else more to say guys um, but thank you very much for listening. As I say, um, my audience is amazing. Um, even if it feels like nobody's listening, <laughs> I know that um, it's out there and um, it's available. So, you know, you can listen and you can benefit from it. So, yeah. Thank you, guys. I um, generally appreciate you all. Um, and uh, we'll talk soon.